0: If you have your Bible, how you access those, you can pull up Galatians chapter 2 and 3 is where we're going to focus today. And uh, last week we began this series on how to embrace pleasure in the Christian life. And for many of us, it may seem like that's an odd topic to talk about when it comes to uh, the church. Like that's usually, even if you do like a Google search of like church sermon pleasure, like, don't. <laughs> you know, weird stuff pops up. Like, you know, it's a, that, that's not a typical sermon series. But, you know, people typically think to, when they think about the church, they think that, you know, it's the Christian life is actually, you know, they don't equate it to the word pleasure. It's not equal to that. But I believe that actually living a pleasurable life should be one of the key characteristics of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I mean, Jesus said even in John ten ten, right, that the thief came to steal kill and destroy, but I came that you may have life and life to the fullest. Life abundantly, completely full is what that means. It's like not almost to the top, it means completely overflowing to the top. But this pleasurable life is something that God talked about from the very beginning. But even us as Christians, sometimes we think pleasure shouldn't be with Christian life. We we think it is this polar opposite, that we try to Think it's, that it's, it's about those rules that we have to follow, things that we don't get to do, uh, these things that we have to do instead. It's this idea that, you know, I don't want to come to church and, and not be too serious, or that, you know, everything in the world is is sinful, we talked about last week. We, we have these mindsets of that, or that, you know, God, Jesus died for me, so, you know, I got to act like I'm supposed to be dead too. And we have these ideas that we walk through. I remember this one church I served at. Uh, i had been there one Sunday, and I was the youth pastor there, a bunch of teenagers, and it was exciting. It was a whole friend. of the church was like packed with teenagers. And there was this one teenager down there that had a baseball hat on. And so this lady came up to me and she tapped me on the shoulder and she was like, Excuse me. And I was like, Yeah. she was like, You see that young man down there? I was like, I see a lot of young men down there. I was like, What you? She's like, The one with the baseball hat on. And I was like, Yeah, sure, I see him. She's like, I said, What? She's like, You need to go tell him to take that off. We don't do that in church. And I was like, no, I don't think, like, I'm just happy he's in church, right? She was like, well, there's just certain things, rules that we have to follow while we're in church. And I'm like, I saw Chase, like, starting to use his baseball. (laughs) uh, But it's this idea that we think that it is these rules that we have to follow. And we actually create this idea that sometimes church feels more like a prison than it does a place of worship. When we were building another church staff I was on, we were building a new church facility and we were interviewing architects. And this architect came in, it was his first church plans that he had ever designed. And he brought them to us and put them out and he was telling us his resume, and his resume was basically this. He had, uh, all of his previous work, he had designed prisons. And uh, he thought, you know, very similar, you're trying to create a captive audience (laughs) and uh, to hear things. And I'm like, no, we're not gonna use a prison architect. For our church, that is not the kind of thing that we're trying to say. Because the idea is this. We're not designed to be put in prison. We're not designed to live a life where we're having to subdue everything. We're actually designed, God creates, to be seekers of pleasure. We are pleasure seekers. All at our heart, God designed us that way. And God created us with this desire for pleasure, and he provides for our pleasure. This desire for pleasure, it's normal. It is how he shaped you. So why is it then that we sometimes think it's unnatural, unhealthy, or ungodly? And last week we mentioned what I just said before, we think the Christian life is about suffering or it's got to be sinful or it's got to be serious all the time. This was kind of the environment I grew up in in the serious nature. You show up to church, I mean, I, as a five-year-old, I remember wearing coat and tie to church like every morning, like it was, you know, and we walked in and you didn't talk you didn't when the when the music started like you just sat. It was serious business, and uh, it wasn't one of my favorite times. I enjoyed going out and play, and I remember we were actually on TV. Our church was like on live TV. This was like back in the day, like some NBC affiliate, and I remember one time the camera turned toward me, and so I just waved at the camera, and my mom and dad got freaked out like you're not supposed to do that, and this is serious Please, I just I'm not that serious of a person. I remember growing up, I loved to play baseball. My brother played baseball. He got, like, drafted into the minor leagues. He was that good. I was not that good. I was okay until they started throwing curveballs, and I couldn't hit a curveball. But here was my biggest deal after we played baseball, like, little day growing up. Jay, my brother, would come home weeping if they lost. Like, if our team lost, he would just come home weeping. If we lost, if we won by one run, 10 runs, whatever it was, I had the same feeling after every game, which was this. Where are we going to eat? Like, what, what are we going Do we get ice cream win or lose? Because I'm going to eat away, you know, as long as, as long as the ice cream is there. And we've acquainted this like serious nature that that's the way we have to approach our faith. And that's just not what the Bible teaches. So how do we move from looking at Christianity as this old fashioned religious set of rules that drags us down this heavy feeling that we can't have any fun to actually embracing the life of a Christ follower that has a passion for pleasure in our life. And the answer to that is Galatians. We're studying the book of Galatians. Last week we jumped into Galatians 1 and we talked about as we do this, as we learn to embrace pleasure, we actually have to find the right desires to follow. These right desires that God has placed in our life. There's certainly, in different parts of the Bible, it talks about unhealthy desires that can come from our flesh and lead us astray. But there are also healthy desires that God placed within us that if we will allow to flourish and take hold in our life, they will lead us to places of immense pleasure that we could never think of before. And last week we talked about that first pleasure was the pleasure of actually the gospel of grace. And we talked about all these other gospels that get taught to us and twisted and misrepresented and where we try to live up to a gospel of works or we think it's about punishment, all these different things, but we boil it down to this, is that we can really lay a foundation for pleasure When we begin to understand that the God who created us wants to know us and wants to know us deeply, and he has provided a way for us to have this intimate, deep relationship with. And when we get that, when we get the idea that God, who formed every part of who you are, who knows you better than anyone else, no matter how much junk you've got hiding in the back part of your closet. He knows you, and he loves you, and he's redeeming and restoring you. This grace is found through the work of Christ we talked about last week. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect, sinless life, willingly died for us so that we embrace a relationship with him. We can experience full restoration with our creator. We are challenged to live this out. So how do we do this? Today we're going to talk about another desire that we have, not just the desire for the gospel of grace, but it's what we just sang about, what we just read about in Galatians 2.20. It is this idea that we have a desire to actually live by faith. Now faith, when we hear that word, it's kind of like the gospel. We hear the word faith, and it may mean a lot of different things to us. Maybe you think about, you know, I, I put faith in a lot of things. If I don't trust somebody, I have to put my faith in them, or I go somewhere new. Some of you are in New York for the first time. You're like, you know, I'm just putting my faith when whoever's walking in front of me, and that's a bad thing to do in this city. So like, don't do it. Like, people just cut across the street, no matter what, go, stop, whatever. They feel like they can beat that car, they'll go. That does not mean it's okay for you to go. Like, it's just, you don't put your faith in the right thing. So we think a lot about that. I know growing up, it was always talked to me, like, how do you understand faith? Faith is like sitting in a chair. You didn't make that chair. You didn't test it, but you sit in it and it holds you up, or faith is like getting in an airplane, maybe you understand a little bit of the dynamics of how that works, but you didn't put that together, you just get on it and fly, or or even like an elevator, right, I mean, who's to say that cable couldn't snap at any moment, you know, you're putting faith in that cable and doing that, and I want to tell you, it actually doesn't take that much faith to do those things, I, I look at some over 3 billion people fly every year, every year, 3 billion people. Uh, every three days, elevators carry the equivalent of the world population. Every three days, equivalent, you know, we're riding a lot of elevators. not like every person in the world rides it, but, and then every year annually in the subway, 1.7 million people ride the subway here in New York city. It doesn't actually take that much faith to do something that the world population is typically doing as well. And we may think that we're living by faith every time we do one of these things, but I I don't know how these things work. For me to live by faith, I have to believe that they will work when I use them. I may even think that even though I have a basic understanding, it doesn't mean that I actually put this together, actually living off of somebody else's faith. Somebody who got up and built that airplane. Somebody who drives that subway. Somebody who understands and, and installs the mechanics of that elevator. They're the one that have faith that it'll work. They're the one that designed it and put it into place. And so my question is for us, is not about where we place by like just doing things that we don't understand. That's not what faith is. It's actually learning how to live out of faith and begin to build something in our life that we can look back on and go, how did that happen? How did this come about? It's unexplainable. That's living by faith. It's not living by somebody else's faith. It's allowing your faith in God to move you forward like never before. The word and the meaning of faith is actually a Greek word, is is pistis, is what it means. And it's translated, it actually means this holy fervor and desire to join in, is the best way that this word, when he talks about faith, is not just doing something, it's actually joining in, coming alongside. And it reminds me of the that idea of like when you're starting a race, you're, you're there with hundreds of other people and that excitement of like doing something together and then the draw of the finish line where everybody is ending up, it is that draw of getting, going, and doing something together. That's what faith is. It's this idea that we are, we're not just doing a thing, but we're doing it coming alongside of God to accomplish something in our life. But many of us, Look at this definition and think of it as something that someone else does. Maybe I'll do it one day in my life. If I can just figure out how to get enough faith, maybe I can do something worthy of God being proud of one day. We think it's for the spiritual elite, those that are leaders. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through another day, make sure nothing bad happens, get home, have dinner, get the kids to bed get going again the next day, maybe save enough money to take a vacation here and there and just rest and relax and maybe one day, when I'm through with all of that, then maybe I can do something for God. But that's not what this life calls. That's a passive nature to faith versus an active nature to faith. It it isn't just living by faith and sitting on our faith. Faith was never meant to be to create passive believers who just work hard to shelter themselves from the world instead of living by faith. An active lifestyle, an active faith, is one that constantly is putting themselves into difficult situations, into uncomfortable circumstances, so that we can experience new things and grow in ways that we have never seen before. So I want to compare and contrast these two ideas this morning of a passive faith and an active faith. When we, What are the signs that show up that you're like, hey, I'm just kind of living on other people's faith or maybe one day. And it's when we start saying things like this. Faith is something I have. Hey, I have faith. I'm a person of the faith. It's like a possession, something I keep in the back of my closet if I ever need it. You know, if something comes up, I've got my faith. I can go get it. But other than that, I typically don't take it with me every day. It's just something I have. It's a tool in my belt but I don't get it out that often. Oftentimes we can also say something like this, like faith is something I hold on to. When things go bad, it's the one thing I have that I can hold on to. It's like I go, it's my go-to thing. When I don't understand, I will go and hold on to it. Against everything else, I'll, I won't let go of my faith. These aren't bad things, they're just passive in nature, like I'm just holding on. Or we, we say this all the time. Faith is something I need a little bit more of. I just need some more faith. And the Bible even says the faith of a mustard seed can move a It's Not about getting more faith. But we, we pray that all the time. I just need a little bit more faith before I try this. I just need to stockpile a little bit more faith behind me. And then I can believe that I can do this. Or we think that this. That faith is something that I'm trying to live up to. Somewhere I have to live up to in my life. Like one day, I'll be at the level of those people who do something meaningful for God. Right now, I'm just a normal Christian. I have not graduated to mature Christian yet, and I doubt I'll ever get to super Christian. I mean, that's the way we, we put things in our life, right? But that is not what faith is. The, the problem with this passive checklist of faith is that it doesn't lead to pleasure it actually leads to decay. We're missing out on the pleasure of the Christian life when we embrace this idea that my, my faith is just something that I hold on to and that I just stockpile behind me. Faith faith isn't a sleeping aid. It isn't something I take at night as a sedative to rest that causes me to, to walk like a zombie through my day. It's not, it's not a cure-all. It's not just something to bring me Comfort. Faith was never designed to bring comfort. Faith was actually designed to move you out of your comfort zone and into new areas that God has for you. Our faith is never stagnant. It's never designed to be stagnant. But when we live in this passive nature, that's the way it feels like. One day I was kayaking out on the East River. They do the free kayaking out here on the river. And... uh. I was paddling and to begin with i was paddling with the current if you know the east river is actually actually an estuary and so it flows with the tide in and out and so we were going up toward the queensborough bridge and like i'm just going there and I'm, I'm going along pretty good and my goal was to get to the bridge and i was getting really close until the tide started turning and i had this image of like i'm going to get to the bridge i'm just going to chill under the bridge for a while like look up take a cool selfie post it stuff like that you know and uh and i'm like the tide's turning on me, and I'm going as hard as I can to get to that bridge. And I think I get the tip of my kayak, like just on the bridge, and I'll stop. Like I made it. And as quickly as I stop, like I'm going as fast as I can now in the other direction because the tide is just taking me way back. I tried to get here, and I get was gone. And that's the way our faith is. Sometimes, sometimes we think faith, all right, I'm here. I'll just stay. I'm enough. I'm enough of a Christian. I've got enough of a relationship with God. I understand enough about Jesus, so I'm just going to stop right here. Faith doesn't work that way. It's not passive, it's not sensitive, it's not stationary. When we try to stop, we actually start decaying and moving back instead of moving forward. So how do we how do we move forward? How do we actually energize ourselves? How do we become active? How do we not make it a sedentary of our sleeping, but how do we actually make uh, fake this espresso that we take every morning every hour of every day that just hops us up When Jeremy first moved to the city he had never had espresso before and so I took him to one of my old favorite espresso shops Here in uh, the city over close to the library uh, Zepetto is the name of a little Italian shop, but uh, so I got him one shot of espresso and he liked it He was like, this is, this is not bad He texted me about ten minutes later. And he's like I think I'm about to die. Like my heart is racing. I'm sweating. What is going on? What was What was in that? And I was like, you'll be fine. Like, you don't worry about it. But he was just like overcome. And I was like, just stop and get another one. You'll be fine. And uh, he did. I don't think you've had one since then. Have you, Jeremy? I don't think he's had another one. But, but faith ought to actually do that. It ought to actually engage us to get us going, to move us forward. An act of faith is this, we start saying things like this, faith is something that I do. It's about, not about doing things to try to make God love me, but it gets me going. It's not about sitting, it's about doing. Katie and I, we we have this thing, we both have Mondays off, and we always say this, we do Mondays. We just do Mondays. Whatever Monday holds, we're gonna do it. Like, we've, since this year, we've biked across all the bridges from Queens and Brooklyn into Manhattan on Monday. We go visit all kinds of different coffee shops on Monday. One of Katie's personal favorites is finding a good donut shop to go to on Mondays. Right now in the winter, we're doing museum Mondays. We're finding little free museums in the city to go to and check out. We went to the FDNY, the the Fire Department of New York Museum uh, this past Monday. We were just doing Mondays. We could stay home in bed, take a nap. I'm not saying I never take a nap on Mondays. Sometimes that's what we do, but... Like we have this intent in this plan, we're going to do Mondays. But that's what faith is. It's not this intent in this plan that we're going to do things with God. It's not what God just did for me. It's what we're doing together with God now. Faith is also something that I, that I exercise, that I actually build, that as I use it, it becomes more effective in my life. A jump, a faith jump that seemed huge just a month ago may not seem near as big because I've exercised my faith Jamal and I used to work out all the time together. He continues to get bigger and stronger. And, but as we did, as we were actually exercising together, there were things that I could not do before, exercises I could not do before I started working out with Jamal that I could do now. I remember a kettlebell. First kettlebell Jamal gave me was like 15 pounds. And I was like, what do you do with this thing? Like, how do you even pick this thing up? Like He's showing me how he swings, and, and he's just throwing these 70-pound ones around like they're nothing. And I'm like, I'm not, like I can do a 40-pound kettlebell. Swing now, i got things that seemed impossible I can do because of exercise. And our faith is the same way. use it, you grow it. You may think, I could never do that. Well, you can't do that until you do this, and then this, and this. But faith is also something that it's not that we need more of, but that we actually need to engage more of. it. God has given us all the faith that we need. He's given us all the faith that we need. He's just now saying, use it, engage it. Actually, push it forward. And so, and this reminds me I, I was driving back one time from Savannah, Georgia to Atlanta, and my car uh, broke and basically would not get out of first gear. And so, I'm it's a long stretch of drive there with nothing in between. And it was either abandon our family there in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, or try to get to the next town. And we said, oh, we're just going to go really slow. And so, Like, I'm going, like, seven, eight miles an hour in first gear. And these cars on the interstate are just flying by me, honking at me. And I'm just still stuck. in. I can't do anything. As hard as I push that gas, it's not getting out of first gear. And so I just go and creep along. And hours later, we finally make it to this town. And I want to tell you, there have been times in my life, and there are probably times in your life, and maybe you're in that time in your life right now where you just are not getting your faith out of first gear. You're just, you're okay, but just... But, but along a little bit. got you know, a little bit here. And people are just zooming by you, and you're hearing about people doing this and trusting God for this, and you're like, how's this happening? How's this happening? And God's challenge you, engage, use more. But faith is also something that I'm not trying to live out of. It's not trying, something I'm trying to hold on to. It's something I'm trying to live out of. Faith isn't a dream or a hopeful destination, Faith is a journey with pleasurable experiences all along the way. So it's incredible. It is, I call it a faith journey. We use that term a lot. We are journeying in our faith. So what I do as we close right quick is I want to give you just some ideas out of Galatians chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. And we're going to read through there about how do we actually live out of faith. Galatians 2, 19 through 20 says this. For through the law, I died To the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What I want you to see here is when we desire to live out of faith, I start to experience new life every day. Every day. These verses play a key role in laying the foundation for what it means to actually live by faith, to to lay down your life and pick up a new life with Christ, to start walking, start living it out. It says here that they used to live by the law, and there's a whole new way of living, of of grace through Christ that we get to live out of. And when we read this, we understand that we're not bound by our past failures. It says that we have died to, to our lives, we've died to the law. We're not bound by our past failures. Because of faith, I'm not bound by my current limitations. My life, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not my limitations. I now only have the limitations of Christ in my life, which are nothing. And then finally, because of faith, I'm not bound by my future anxieties. It says that I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. As I live out Christ, there's a love that he has for me that's going to go with me and protect me. This is not some passive partnership that we have with God. This is an active relationship. We think faith sometimes is a transaction. I'll give my life to God. God will give me a ticket to heaven. Boom, boom. It's a transaction and we're done. We think of it as a partnership, a handshake agreement. But God says, no, this is a relationship. A relationship. And when we have an active relationship, we start doing things. These are some things I try to do in my life. Every day, And the first one was this. I try to invite him in every morning. Every morning. Say, God, I want you in my day. I invite you in today. And then I listen to him in every moment that I can. Every moment throughout the day, I try to listen and go, God, what do you want me to say? Why is this happening? What is going on? And then at night, I reminisce with him every evening. I try to close my night and go, God, what is it that you taught me today? Where did you lead me? Where am I at today that I wasn't this morning? This is the active part of the relationship. You know, I don't just do that with God. I do that with Katie. Try to invite her into every part of my life. I? can I hang out with you today? And can we talk to each other today? And then at night, like, how was your day? Those are just part of a relationship. And we've got to move that aspect just from the personal relationship to the spiritual relationship with God you read Galatians 3, 1 through 6, it will be on the screen, but I'm not going to read it all to you because of our time. I want you to understand that as we continue to want to live out our faith, here's what happens. We start to experience new accomplishments every day. It tells us this, that our life will start to move and be led by the Spirit, things that we never knew about, that the Spirit will create supply for us, that miracles will start to show up in our life these new accomplishments, things that we never thought could happen. And I want you to see that we we think that sometimes faith is just about, like I said, it's one transaction, like, okay, I have faith in God, so now I'm going to heaven. Having faith in God, putting faith in God is actually the beginning of the journey. The moment of salvation, the moment our life is changed is the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. It's like, I, I remember when we first had PJ, like, there was a lot of trauma and turmoil getting to having PJ, right? I mean, not as much for me as it was for Katie, you know, uh, she, she went through a lot in those nine months. Uh, but it was like, it was a lot of work just to get ready for a kid, to try to save money, to buy things, all this kind of stuff. We did a lot of work in those first nine months before PJ ever showed up. But guess what happened when he showed up? It got harder. Like it didn't get any easier. Like things multiply. It was the beginning of this journey and sometimes we think okay, I've got faith in its place I understand who God is, I understand who Jesus is I'm good to go now when I get to heaven everything will be alright instead of actually knowing that this is the beginning of the journey to this life we have to live it out right now. And cause of faith, even in my times of suffering we see God's opportunity for preparation even when I suffer, God is preparing me for something In times of lacking, God is teaching me about His provision. That even when I don't have what I need, God says I will supply. And then even in my times of abundance, I learn to share about God's glory and God's prominence. That it's not about me, but it's about God. And here's how this shows up in my life: is I try not to make this just some faith, that's just some passive restraint of not doing things. It's actually an active pursuit. So every day I try to walk attentively and I ask why. Why is this happening today? And I walk with purpose. What do I want to accomplish today? And then I pray continually and I say, God, what do you want to teach me today? Because I pray continually throughout the day. I'm just saying, God, tell me what you want me to hear. And then I try to obey recklessly. Whatever God says, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to try to obey. Even if it seems reckless and Crazy, ludicrous. If I'm listening to God, I've been praying, and He asked me to do something, I'm going to obey recklessly. I want to end. The last part of Galatians chapter 3 tells us this: that if I want to live a life of faith, I'll experience new possibilities every day. New possibilities will pop up in my life. It talks about that that I'll be justified by faith, that I'm no longer under a guardian. I'm no longer under the guardian law. I'm actually walking free. I'm free to roam around wherever I want to go. It says I've been baptized with Christ and I've been put, I've put on Christ like us. And then it says even as we do this, we lose our distinctions. We don't lose our distinctiveness, but we lose our distinctions. There's no Jew or Greek, male, or female. It's we become one in this body of Christ, and as we work together as one, we see new possibilities that we've never seen before. Because of my faith, I can walk through life with this optimistic outlook, an opportunistic outlook of like, something good can come of this, something good can come of today. I try to then walk with a consistent character that it teaches about, that it's not me who living, it's I have put on Christ, I've been baptized into this faith and I am walking out, and my character does not change based on my circumstance. That's living by faith. But it also means that I live a life, because of faith, I live a life where I can have some deep, meaningful connections with other people. That I'm going to come across people of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all races, of all creeds, of all nationalities, that we can come together, and we're going to find this uniqueness of faith in our Creator, in placing our faith in Christ, and we're going to be able to form deep bonds and connections very quickly. I've seen that happen with people in this room. People that just we met very quickly and all of a sudden we see deep bonds of connection because of faith, because we see each other as one. And so what this is, this is not then just some passive picture of Jesus that we hold up to people. It's an active portrayal of Christ. It's, if all Jesus wanted to do is show a picture of him, then we can set up like so many people do the subway and just pop a picture of Jesus down and say, This is it blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus, right? That's who you ought to follow, right? I mean, not even a happier picture of Jesus, but like, just pop this picture up. But he doesn't want to just show a picture. He wants us to portray him. He says, reflect me. Be my ambassadors. Be my trophies of grace. Be my vessels of joy. Says in Psalms, let the mercy and goodness follow you. Leave it in your wake all the days of your life and this is where the pleasure of faith comes in as we get to actively portray and share the amazing goodness of christ with other people this isn't a faith i hide in a closet it's a faith i live out because it has impacted my life so much that i can hold on to it i don't want to hold on to it i want other people to experience the pleasure peace meaning and hope that i've experienced like nothing else It's not a gift I'm keeping from those that I love the most. It's a gift I'm asking you to step into, because I love you so much. And when I do this, I live every moment fully. I try to start to live and say, God, I want the most out of it. I just want to squeeze as much out of every moment as I can. I try to leave every bitterness completely and freely behind. Somebody does me wrong, some wrong, some circumstance, twist me, and does something to me, I want to let it go as quick as I can. I don't want those chains of bitterness to be hooked on to me. And then finally, I love every person freely, just like Christ loved me. This is how we experience pleasure, through faith. So my question for you today is this. Are you living out of your faith? Are you trying to stop by your faith? You think you just need some more, and when you finally get some more, you'll be able to do something for God. Or will you live out of what you have now? Will you take a step? The pleasure of faith isn't found in some passive partnership or some passive restraint or just some passive picture of Jesus. It Jesus is actively engaging and exercising your faith in such a way That your life is different every day. That you wake up every day with this beautiful canvas that you and God get to draw a masterpiece on every day and share that masterpiece with those around you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?